Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Pastor Zach Neese. All right, all right. So thank you. So um, when we were building the last campus that we put together, that that I was part of, we did this. We went in uh, before they'd finished, uh, you know, putting on the drywall and all that. And we, as a congregation of volunteers, wrote scriptures all over the walls and the floors. I have pictures of my kids when they're itty-bitty with markers and crayons writing their favorite scriptures on the walls. And what you're doing is you're building on a foundation of the word of God. And you're basically reminding the house of the promises of the Most High. You're prophesying over your own land. And so I want to encourage you to begin asking God, what do you want inscribed on the walls of your house? When people come into that house, what word do you want them to step into? You know what I'm saying? Because you, as a child of God and as a priest of God, have the right to prophesy the word of God. So begin praying about this. What do you want inscribed on your walls, God? What do you want inscribed on your floors? And come prepared to write something on those walls and to prepare and, and to pray that they're full, it's fulfilled as people come in. Okay, cool? So before I get into this uh, sermon, um, I'd like to ask Jen to come up and join me for just a second. This is going to make some of you sad because I realize you like her better than me. Uh, but, but this is Jennifer's last weekend here. It's time for her to go home. <laughs> go away. <laughs> go read some books. Um, and most of the kids, uh, Judah's going to stay with me a little bit longer. Um, but I just wanted to say it's, it's been such a pleasure for us to be able to be here with you. I have two more weeks, two more sermons after this one. But it's been such a joy to be able to worship with my wife, with you. And isn't she uh, a potent minister of the Most High? <laughs> No, you don't. I don't have a minute. No. So um, if you would, would you just stretch your hands towards them? Uh, Towards them, towards her, towards the kids. You can bless the kids too. And um, I I just want to bless them as they go. Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to be here with these people that are precious to you and this church that's precious to you and this land that's precious to you. And we, we felt your blessing as we came. And so now as, as Jen goes home with the kids, I pray your blessing on them as they go out. I thank you, Lord, for our connection, our heart connection, our spirit connection with this congregation. And I pray, Lord God, that you would reconnect us, that we would remain family and we would remain friends in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So seriously, can you say something in a minute? Okay. You can. Okay. Okay. Uh, Um. So I just want to just say I really felt um, that God was doing a new thing here. When, before we came, I, that's what I heard him say. And I just know I witnessed him doing a new thing in me because while it looked like I was worshiping in freedom, I really was. And that's not a common thing for me to be able to do. I've struggled a lot with insecurity, with being nervous to you know, do the things that God has asked me to do. So I experienced a new thing and I experienced his Holy Spirit and filling me and empowering me in a way I never have before here in this house. Praise God for that. So I just want to encourage you. Uh, God is doing a new thing, and he is here to fill you with what you need from him to step into what he's asking you to do. And I have no doubt when we come back next, this will not be the same congregation mm-hmm. 
and the word given to really unite your heart with one another, to stand united, it's, that's it. <laughs> that's so powerful. And so we are going to be praying for you, for everything that God is doing here. It's hard for me to go because I feel like some of you may be older than me, I'm sure, out there, but you feel like our children, <laughs> really, <laughs> in a way, spiritual children, and it's hard for us to go. But we will be with you in our hearts, and we will be coming back. If you'll have us. So, and we will be praying for everything that God is doing in each one of you. Step out in boldness. Stay united. You're here for each other to support and encourage and lift each other's arms up. So we love you. I just want to say that. I love you all. My heart fell in love fast and hard here. <laughs> so it will be hard to go. So that's actually an excellent reminder, Jennifer, that the name of your house is a prophecy. Your, your house is named Unite. This place is named Unite. And you can pray that the Lord fulfill the prophecy of your name, right? But you have to also understand that the enemy will attack the prophecy of your name. So if your name is Unite, you're going to be attacked in the area of unity, which is why that word just a moment ago was so potent and was so important. Because you'll be attacked in the area of your destiny. And your destiny is one of unity, right? So thank you, Jennifer. Great reminder. All right, you guys ready to hear some word? Uh, do this. Let's just lift our hands and surrender to the Lord and say this with me. God, if you want to transform my heart, do it. Open my ears. I want to hear from you. Change me. I want to be like you. Change my mind if you want to. I want to think like you do. And ignite my heart to love what you love. In the name of Jesus, amen. So when Jennifer and I um, were first beginning to hang out together, I was in love with her, and it took her a little while longer to be in love with me. I can understand that. I get how that is. Well, I had a word from the Lord. God told me audibly that I was supposed to marry her. And as soon as God told me that, I just, my heart was like, that's, that's my wife. God chose her for me. And I almost automatically fell in love with her. But it took a little while to, for the God to convince her that I was also... <laughs> The husband that he had in mind for her. So for a while, I was just trying to love her as much like Christ as I could um, without, without adding seduction into it, you know. And sometimes I got it better than other times because I had a lot to learn. But at one point, I was bringing her gifts, and I was, I was preparing these presents. And each present that I was bringing her was based on one of the verses in the Song of Songs. First of all, Song of Songs is steamy. <laughs> it should be at least PG-13. If you don't want to have children, you shouldn't read that book. <laughs> and it's proof that the Lord is romantic, the Song of Songs. So I was trying to find gifts associated with these verses, and I needed some perfume to go along with this one verse that I was about to send to her. I didn't know very much about great perfume. I bought some in the past, but I didn't want anything like what I'd purchased in the past for any of those lame girls that I knew before I was saved. This was a special girl. This was my wife. So I took a friend with me, and she was helping me look around. And we were in this little shop in Salado, Texas, and she comes up to me with this little vial, and she says, here, smell this. And I popped the top of that vial open and took a big sniff of this perfume, 
and a, a, a miracle happened. I don't know if it's possible to experience olfactory intoxication, but as I inhaled this perfume, I started seeing spots in front of my eyes. My head started to spin. I got kind of dizzy. My knees felt a little bit weak. I was like, whoa, that's the stuff. (laughs) So I got her this stuff. I thought it was wonderful. It was like Zacnip, you know, catnip. It's like Zacnip. Like it, it affected me physically when I inhaled this. It was like I had one drink too many, and I know that feeling. So it was like sniffing something that made me feel just a little bit drunk. It was amazing. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but you've got to get your hands on this stuff. So I bought it, and I gave it to Jennifer. That's a mistake. Here's the reason it's a mistake. Because my heart was already set on her. I was already really madly in love with her. I was already having a really hard time keeping my hands to myself because I wanted my wife. I wanted my bride. I, was, I wanted her as close as she could possibly be to me, but we weren't married yet. And then I gave her something that drove me crazy. <laughs> and she took that perfume and she wore it. And she, once she found out it drove me crazy, how many of you know, she might as well just put it in the bathtub. Because, like, her bedroom smelled like it. Her car smelled like it. One weekend, I was staying at their house, and she was sleeping in her sister's room. Her pillows smelled like it. I don't know if she just walked around going, this makes Zach crazy. I'm just going to put it on the door frames, put it a little here, a little in the car, coming up the steps. And I'm just walking around going, oh, oh, oh. So I had to have a visit with her father and say, Mr. Cathers, I would like to ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. And we're going to need to abbreviate this engagement. (laughs) Because I wanted my bride. Now, did I give her that gift for her or for me? Hmm. Honestly, that was a gift that I gave to her, but it was really for me. It really affected me. It really had the most potent effect on me. It was a gift from me for me, right? That's what worship is like. Worship is a gift from God for God. It's a gift from the Lord, our opportunity to do all of this, to live for him, to love him, to follow him, to adore him. These things are all gifts from God, but not for me, not for my intoxication, not for my pleasure, for his, not for my desire, for his. It's accomplishing something in his heart, a gift from God for God. And what we probably don't understand is that there are like climax points in history. There are reformation points in history. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born. He died on a cross and he resurrected and it changed the course of history forever. 500 years ago, the reformation happened. The print reformation, which enabled the word of God to go out in the languages of the whole earth, all over the earth. The gospel spread throughout the earth the Reformation. A hundred years ago, there was a Holy Spirit Reformation and the, the Pentecostal Reformation and the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit were revived in the church again. And 50 years ago, something began to stir, a worship reformation. 
something began to move, and we're right in the middle of it right now. What if when you sing and honor and adore the Lord, it's like Jennifer sprinkling that perfume all over her room and the steps, it's in the car, it's on the back of her ears. Have you ever considered that there's a gift from God for God and the world is being prepared for something? Never before in history have people been able to walk around with phones that had worship on them. Never before in history have you been able to get on a computer and watch people worship and worship with them all over the world. Never before in history has there been the diversity of styles and voices of worship. Millions of songs going out all over the world, and it's like perfume rising up from the earth to heaven. Have you ever considered that possibly it's not for you, it's for him? Have you ever considered, is it even possible? Consider this. What if Jesus is in heaven, his Holy Spirit here on earth, worship arising, and him inhaling the fragrance and going, Father, is that my bride? Is that the one you've chosen for me? What if when we adore God, he sees colors? What if it makes him dizzy with love? What if the knees of Christ grow weak and he says, Father, when can I go get my bride? When can I go get my bride? You don't even understand what you're doing to him. You're moving the heart of Christ to come back for his bride. You get it? Oh, man, three people get it. Guys, Jennifer didn't know what she was doing to me. You don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know what you're doing. Now, there's something like this. The Bible says, uh, this, we've been talking about these mega themes. We talked about the mega theme of the priesthood that runs all the way through the Bible. The mega theme of worship. From Genesis to Revelation, worship runs all the way through the Bible. That mega theme of tabernacling, dwelling places, houses. We've got a God who wants to be with his people. And there's a perfume that prepares the people of God to dwell with God. There's a fragrance that prepares heaven and earth to dwell with one another. And the Bible tells us about it. It's a, it's, it's a type of incense. And you can find it in Exodus 30, verse 36 through 38. As they were setting up the house of God, that tabernacle, God said, I'm going to give you this recipe for an incense, and it's sweet to me. And every time you burn this in the house, it's going to prepare a meeting place, right? In Exodus 30, verse 36, it says, Grime some of it into powder and place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant law in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. This stuff rises up, and God says, I'm showing up. It shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. It's a gift from God for God. One of the things that we make the mistake of doing in worship is we think it's something for us to consume and judge. I like that song. I don't like this song. I got news for you. It ain't about you. It ain't about your pleasure. It's a gift to you, but it's not for you. It's a gift from God for God. I don't like that song. Well, if he likes it, I never asked her if she liked the perfume. I still don't know to this day whether or not you like the perfume. It's never occurred to me to care. I like the perfume. <laughs> Consider it holy 
To the Lord, whoever makes incense like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from their people. This is something from God for God. And it's a preparation for the house. There's something sacred about this incense that they're talking about. This fragrance, something sacred about it. It's not just another channel on the radio. It's not just something for you to work out to because it's got a nice beat. That's not what it's for. Psalm 141 verse 2 says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. There's something about this incense that's like prayer going up to heaven. How many of you know the difference between worship and prayer? Anybody? Because I don't. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know the difference. When I'm praying, it's worship. And when I'm worshiping, it's prayer. There's something about this incense that's like prayer. It's it's sacred. It's for God. And it's communication between heaven and earth. And then in Revelation 8, 3 through 5, this is, again, some of you guys are students of Revelation. And, and, and if you think you've got it figured out, um, I don't want to talk to you because you have no idea what you're talking about. Nobody knows what's going on in the book of Revelation. If you think you've got it figured out, God's just going to swerve. He's going to move here and <laughs> You're never going to figure out the great I am because you're the great I'm not. That's just how it works. (laughs) But I read it anyway because there's a blessing commanded there. And this incense plays into the book of Revelation. Watch this. This is in Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. Another angel who had a golden censer, that's what you burn incense in, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hands. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar. The fire is important, right? And hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and earthquake. There's something going on where there's incense that's being, that's being even poured out in heaven. And our prayers are part of it. And it's burning. And it's like there's a bowl that's being filled up with this worship thing. And there comes a time when it's, when it's full enough that this angel goes, whoosh, and he dumps it on the earth. And when he dumps it on the earth, it signifies something. And it catalyzes something. Right after this happens, the seven trumpets are blown. Seven freaky things happen in the book of Revelation after this incense is poured out in the earth. What I'm telling you is, you are in the middle of that time. Right now, that bowl is being filled with more worship than there has ever been rising to heaven in the history of mankind. And you and I have to understand that this is getting ready to tip. And when it tips, it tips for a reason. It's preparing for a move of God. The worship of the saints catalyzes a movement of God. We're not just singing songs because it's a cool thing to do before a sermon. Or because it's a traditional thing. Or it's a religious thing. You're filling up the bowls of heaven to catalyze a move of God. You're preparing something. God is ultimately preparing a bride for himself. And he's preparing for his return. And you get to be part of it. Now here's something important. Remember I said it was mixed with fire. Incense 
prepares the atmosphere for God to move. Worship prepares the atmosphere for God to move. Anytime there's a revival on earth, worship precedes the revival. Everything God does is born in worship, is maintained in worship, and it results in worship. Right? So if there's going to be a move of God on earth, it has to begin with worship. It will be maintained through worship, and it will result in other people also worshiping God. But this is the thing about incense. If you've ever, if you've ever used incense, has anybody used incense in their house? Yeah? There's several different kinds. You've got the little cones. You've got the little sticks. You know, I could tell all the people who raised their hands. I know, you're a bunch of hippie potheads. I get it. <laughs> Unless you light incense, it doesn't rise. Incense is one of those things that you can't really get the effect you want out of it unless you burn it. Incense is like worship. It doesn't rise unless it burns. Incense is like your prayers. They don't rise unless they burn. You get up in the morning and you say your prayers. You, right before you have your dinner, you say, good Lord, uh, good Lord, good meat, good God, let's eat. You know, and, and your prayers feel like they're bouncing off the ceilings. There's a reason. Because unlit prayer doesn't rise past the ceiling. Unlit worship doesn't rise past the ceiling. you got to put fire on it in order for it to rise. That's how incense works. Where's the fire coming from? Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Are those just words? Are they just words? The first time this stuff is ever used, another miracle happens. I want to show it to you. This is in Leviticus 9. You have to picture what's going on, okay? Do you remember the story of the Exodus, right? The people of Israel have been slaves for 400 years. Imagine you, your wives, your husbands, your children, your grandchildren. For 400 years, you've known nothing but slavery. You've been abused and murdered to build another man's kingdom. An evil person's kingdom. For 400 years, you cry out to God, and God finally answers, and he sets you free. By the way, if you can't imagine this, you need to go back and remember what you were like before you got saved. I was a slave. I was held captive to a tyranny, and that tyranny was not a government tyranny. It was sin. It was death. It was the grave. I was enslaved to hell. I was doomed, and the Lord set me free. Boom. Do you remember what that was like? The day I got saved, it was like everything turned technicolor. Seriously, the world looked different. I could see. I, it was like everything was in black and white, and suddenly I had a color TV. It was amazing. These people have been set free from captivity. God showed them with signs and wonders what liberty looked like, and then he sets up a tent, a house right in the midst of me. He says, I want to dwell with you. I want to live with you. There's never been a God on the earth who cared about living with his people. All these other gods cared about was them sacrificing their sons and daughters in the fire. All these other gods cared about was their name being higher than anybody else's name. They didn't care about their people. This is the first God ever that said, you know what I want? I set you free because I love you. I want to be close to you. And this is how to set up house. And so they learned how to set up house for God. And the first time they set it up and the first time they lit this incense to prepare the house of the Lord, this is what happened. Leviticus 9, this is verse 22. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. You want to know how he blessed them? This is how he's commanded to bless them. They would hold their hands like this, 
This is a Hebrew, this is not Vulcan. You Trekkies, you guys are a mess. This is not Vulcan. And by the way, the reason Leonard Nimoy did this is because he was Jewish and he'd seen the priests do this. The priests bless one another like this. This is the Hebrew letter Shin. And it's the first letter in one of the names of God, Shaddai. So they would hold their hands like that and they would bless the people. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. That's why we sing that. That's why we say that, because it's a, the prescribed blessing for the priesthood, right? So it says, Aaron lifted his hands towards the people, blessed them, and having sacrificed the sin offering and the burnt offering and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Look, you, we just read past this stuff. Don't read past it. Think about it. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portion on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Now imagine this. You have never been in any country, in any religion that has a God that shows up in fire. And you do what he tells you to do. You obey him and worship him in a way that he prescribes so that he can come and dwell with his people. And as soon as you're done, fire shoots out of heaven and falls down on the Holy of Holies, on the Ark of the Covenant, on, on, on the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim. He said, that's where my throne is going to be. That's where I'll dwell. You worship him. Boom, he did it. Shoots out of the Holy of Holies, through that veil, I have no idea how, through the holy place, into the courts, and they had just finished putting a bunch of animals that they'd sacrificed on there. Fire shoots onto the altar and consumes your offering. Can you imagine if we're taking up an offering and you put all your money right here and you begin going, Lord, the Lord bless you and keep you, and the fire from God comes and consumes all the money you just put there? And he goes, I'll take it. <laughs> Imagine the revival that would happen in Anchorage if it looked like there was a ray from heaven shooting down through the ceiling of this place. This is the first time in history anything like this has ever happened. And these people went from being slaves to being the only nation on earth that have a God who actually comes and is present when they worship him. Suddenly, you're the most powerful people on the earth. And what would you do the Bible says, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. What? This isn't just religion anymore, ladies and gentlemen. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy, and then they fell face down. What's it sound like when you shout for joy? Yeah, you sound, you sound, guys sound real excited. I think there's like three excited people in the house, and the rest of you are like, sounds like this. You imagine going from slavery to freedom. You're a people whose children have been thrown in rivers and fed to crocodiles. You're a people whose backs have been broken on the work for another man. Listen, every people on this earth, every person has been enslaved to a tyrant. And it's, and it's Satan. What happens when you get free? What happens when you really get free and God shows up? Come on. And he's right there. He shows up. 
Try it again. One, two, three, go. Why? Because they've got a God who shows up. The only people on earth that have a God who shows up. That's why when we were worshiping that time, a couple of years ago, and the Muslim guy walked into the back of the church, in my church in Fort Worth, he just stood there with his arms in the air and wept because he'd never been anywhere that had a God that shows up. We've got a God who shows up. But then they went, oh, dear Lord. Oh, man. You know why? Because they've got a God who shows up. The people of God should be the most joyful people on earth. But the most reverent people on earth. Because if you've got a God that shows up, you're a peculiar people. Awesome. Powerful. But you're held accountable to holiness, too. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear Lord. You get it? Because there's a God who shows up. What would happen if we were the most joyful, reverent people on the earth? That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. Right? Now, imagine if this happened here. Just for a moment. You know, we're worshiping, we're singing. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. The glory of the Lord shoots through the ceiling. Billy falls down. <laughs> Sarah's out. Larry's going, honk. He falls over. <laughs> Teresa, she's just out on the drums. Imagine that. Imagine the glory of God is right here. The people of the Lord shout for joy because the glory of the Lord shows up. Everyone falls down on their face. <sighs> What song do you sing next? <laughs> Who's going to get up and take the mic next? <laughs> There's this preacher named Richard Wormbrandt. He, he, he served behind the Iron Curtain during the days of the Soviet Union. He's, he spent seven years in prison just for believing in Jesus and telling people about it. They used to have to sneak out in order to serve the Lord, in order to worship him. They would sneak into fields, and 10, 15, 20 minutes apart, they'd crawl into these fields, and they'd circle with their heads together, and they'd worship the Lord quietly until the presence of the Lord came. And then they would sit in the silence. And he said, you could always tell which of them would be the next to betray them to the KGB because it would be the person who broke the silence. The person who didn't respect the presence of the Lord. So what do we do next? I want to tell you something. If the presence of God shows up and everybody's on their face, my job's done. My job is to minister to the Most High. This is my entire goal on earth, for him to be enthroned in his glory. If his glory shows up, I'm done, y'all. I'm out of a job. And I'm not touching the mic because I'm not out of my mind. 
So what would cause a person to get up and to say, all right, my turn. Y'all listen to me. Everyone focus on me. Everybody, listen. This is about me now. I want to see your eyes. What? Are you out of your mind? The glory of God is there and you want everybody to look at you? Let me show you what happened. This is immediately after the people shouted for joy and fell on their faces. This is Leviticus. And this is chapter 10. Verses 1 through 3. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers. Now, first of all, if you name your kids Nadab and Abihu, they're going to end up in prison. (laughs) Those are just dumb names. So you should have known right off the bat, your name is Nadab, you know, numbnut and a bungalow. Like, why would you name your kids Nadab and Abihu? I don't know. You're just cruising, man. (laughs) It's like, name him, name him trouble, why don't you? Just name him. So, I'm just kidding. Aaron's sons, I have, all my kids have weird names. We love them. <laughs> yeah, they, oh, wait, yeah, they do have the same names as you guys, don't they? Well, case in point. So, <laughs> Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, and they put fire in them because incense doesn't rise unless it burns. Worship doesn't rise unless it burns. Prayer doesn't rise unless it burns, Right? And they added incense and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. The word unauthorized in the King James, it's strange, strange fire. That Hebrew word, it means foreign. It means alien. It means, where did you get that? It means, not my idea. God is saying, where'd you get that fire? Where'd that come from? It didn't come from me. Where'd you get it? unauthorized fire before the Lord. Did you know that you can be singing the right song with the wrong heart? <laughs> you can be doing the right, right thing with the wrong, why, the, the right what with the wrong why. Right? They're doing the right what with the wrong why at the wrong time, by the way. Unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord the second time that day and consumed them and they died before the Lord. This is Aaron. Aaron is the high priest. His sons, they were priests. They get up to minister. They did it. They didn't need to do it. Why on earth are they even doing that anyway? And then when they did it, they did it in a way that was disobedient. And this is what Moses says. He turns to Aaron whose sons have just been baconized. That's probably why the... the, That's probably why the Israelites are not allowed to eat ham. I never thought about that. (laughs) The Lord works in mysterious ways. Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of the people, I will be honored. What these guys did is the first time God showed up, they dishonored him. The very first time God showed up. They dishonored him. They took, they took something, some kind of fire that wasn't from the place that God wanted him to get it from. What is this speaking of? It's speaking of the why, the motivation of the heart. What would cause you to get up in front of everybody when it's not your turn to be seen? It's not your time. It's time for the Lord to be glorified. And what causes you to pick up your censer and say, now I want everyone to look at me? What is that about? You know, I have a friend who says, 
that we have a culture that's full of people who deeply desire to be known. And this is the desire of God too. He wants to know you and to be known by you. But in the absence of being known, we'll settle for being noticed. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, your work. your temper tantrums, your addictions. What are you medicating? What are you trying, what hole are you trying to fill? There's something inside of them that gets up when it's not their turn to get up and does something that tries to draw attention to themselves and they're not lit by the passion of God. They're lit by a passion of something else. They want to be seen ministering in the glory of God. They want people to know that they minister to that glory. I want to be noticed. You know, sometimes when we're thinking about worship, maybe you've never had this thought. I pray you've never had this thought, but I'm just going to talk about me for a second, okay? Hope somebody sees me. Hope they notice I'm pretty, uh, pretty in love with Jesus right here. As soon as I think... Me, I, me, I, me. That's about me, that's about me. I'm making that about me. Oh, I hope nobody sees me. I, me, that's about you too. I like this song. You just made that about me. I don't like this song. That just became about me. Whatever you minister to, you enthrone. I know people who try to lead people to Jesus just to put knocks on their rifles. How many people have you led to Jesus? That's just about you again. That's not about God again. Anything I minister to becomes enthroned. I don't need to be on the throne. I've screwed that up over and over and over again. Every time I step onto the throne, things break and people get hurt. When is God going to have a turn to be on the throne? When is it going to just be about him and the fact that he's worth it? When is it just going to be about the fact that we've got a God of glory and that the world is well when they're with him? When is it going to be about that? I don't know where they got their fire. I have no idea. I don't know if they had like prehistoric Bic lighters or something. I don't know. I don't know how they lit their incense, but I know that they got it from the wrong place. So where's the right place? Where am I supposed to get my motive? What am I supposed to burn for? You understand? The presence of God had just come out of the sky, had come through the Holy of Holies, through the holy place, into the courts, and had lit the altar on fire. Now, where do you think the fire is supposed to come from? You're supposed to take the fire from the altar of God. Take the fire from the altar of God. Let me tell you what the altar represents. The altar is like the cross. The altar is a type of the cross. The altar is the place where the power of God meets the pain of humanity through the passion of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The altar is the place where the power of God meets the pain of humanity through the passion of Jesus Christ. What lights your worship? Is, is, it, is it possible for me to be lit by the, by the passion that lights him? The power of God cares about the pain of humanity 
So he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to pour himself out. That, you know, one of the definitions in the Webster's Dictionary of Passion is the sufferings of Christ. The power of God meets the pain of humanity through the passion of Jesus Christ. What if that lit me up? What if that lit me up? And what is the pain of humanity? You know, every weekend people come into this church. Every weekend. You're you're never... Two weekends in a row, you're never going to have the same congregation. I guarantee you, you will never have the same group of people around you at your work, in your neighborhood. You will never be surrounded by the same group day by day because every single time you come in here, somebody else is gone, somebody new has come. The attendance is different every time. You have a different group of people sitting around you right now. Count 50 people in a circle, and they're different than the 50 people last week. And every time we gather here, there's somebody who's crawling in on their last ounce of strength. They have run out of hope, and they're just looking for somebody who can dip their finger in the water of God and touch it to their tongue to relieve their pain, to relieve their suffering. Somebody's trying to decide whether they're going to leave their husband. Somebody's trying to decide whether they're going to leave their wife. Somebody's trying to decide whether they're going to end it all and leave this earth. Humanity's in pain. And do we care? Did you know that God sends people where people care? If you want this church to explode, you care about what God cares about, and he'll send his hurting people. If you allow your heart to be lit by that thing that lights his house, he's going to send people. So I have this habit uh, Before I lead worship or before I preach, I'll walk around and I'll pray over the walls and I'll pray over the seats. I was in here last night for an hour doing it. And then this morning I came in here and I did it again. And the whole point is just to pray for you guys. It's just to pray, God, prepare their hearts so that you can meet with them. So you can tell them whatever you want to tell them. And to prepare me. And I'm going, God, what are you feeling this weekend? God, what are you feeling today? And one day I was walking around and I was running my hands over the walls. And I said, God... What are you feeling today? And he said, how would you feel if you knew your daughter was going to hell? And something inside of me snapped. I have four daughters. How would I feel if I knew one of my daughters was going to hell? Something inside of me, like grief mixed with rage inside of me. And I started walking around the sanctuary and I was weeping in anger One of my daughters going to hell? No. No, that can't happen. You know why? Because it's not heaven to me unless my family is there. How is it paradise if one of my kids isn't there? How am I going to spend eternity without one of my daughters, one of my sons? That matters to me. Uh Uh-uh. No, no. I'll go to hell myself before I let them go to hell. I was raging on the inside. And God said, that's how I feel. And I got up to lead worship that weekend, and I'm singing. I've got the mic right here. And the songs, half the time when we sing songs, they're like Hallmark cards. We just take someone else's sentiment, sign our name on it, and throw it up to the Lord. That doesn't doesn't light. That's not on fire. This weekend, I was singing, and every time I stepped up to the mic, every word was lit with a coal from the altar. Every sentence meant something. So I got up and I started to sing. I go, beep, 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 beep. 
Because I'm like on the verge of tears. I go for another line. I sing them. <laughs> I could I could barely get anything out. And I'm crying and I'm worshiping and I'm praying. And I didn't care. You know, 7,000 people showed up that weekend. And I only cared about four of them. Because if my kids didn't meet with Jesus, who cared about anybody else? And as I worshiped, I worshiped for my children to meet Jesus. My children to meet with the Lord. And in the middle of worship, I looked over and I saw my kids on the ground. I saw them kneeling before the Lord. I saw them meeting with Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, I was only leading worship for those kids to meet Jesus. But I guarantee you, everybody that weekend met Jesus. Because I was lit with a coal from the altar. My incense rose. What would happen if your life was lit with that? You guys okay? Joel 2 verse 17 says this. Who are you, by the way? That's right. Joel 2 verse 17 says, Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Ooh, when I came to Gateway Church, I, they, they had everything. They didn't need me. They did everything well. They were a well-resourced church. They didn't need me. I was like, God, why do you want me here? He says, I'm looking for someone who will weep with me between the porch and the altar. Look, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? What does it mean to weep between the porch and the altar? The porch is the place where the people come in the door. The altar is the place where they meet their God. And there are so many people and there are so many churches that are completely satisfied with getting people in the door. And God weeps over the fact that there's a difference between their coming in and their meeting with him. And is there anyone else whose heart can be moved and care that it's not enough for God to just get him in the door, that he wants to meet with his sons and his daughters. It's not enough to just get them in the door. He wants his children. And to God, it's not heaven unless his sons and daughters are there. He's not satisfied until his children are there. Can I just ask you, is there anyone here who is willing to let their hearts be moved by the thing that moves the heart of God (laughs) and begin to say, God, would you teach me to weep between the porch and the altar, to care about the distance? If there's any distance at all between God and his sons and daughters, it grieves him. That's the ministry of Christ, to close the gap. That's the ministry of Christ. Now, By the way, I just saw one person put their hand up about that, so may the Lord give you what you ask for. (laughs) So here's part of the problem. I feel like, are you guys okay? Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is worship. Worship doesn't just reach up. Worship also reaches out. That's why the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Second is like it. It's like worship. It's like worship. This is what we're talking about. This and this. Worship always does that. If it doesn't do that, it's not worship. 
It always does that. A church that doesn't care about the lost has ceased to be a church. A church that doesn't care about the fact that its nation is unraveling around it and is not willing to weep between the porch and the altar. I'm not here to take sides. I'm I'm neither for you nor against you. But as commander of the Lord's armies, I come to you today. Remember that? When the angels showed up? Listen, I'm on God's side. I don't want to be on anybody else's side. Here's a problem. I don't think we see each other. I don't think we see each other the way God sees us, and I don't think we see ourselves the way God sees us. And so we have a habit in the church of looking out at humanity, and we see broken, and we see dirty, and we see fallen. We, see, we think, you know, that person is a mess. If they would only meet Jesus, they could become beautiful. Those people are a wreck. I pray that they would meet Jesus so they wouldn't be such a wreck anymore. We only see the wreck. We only see in the flesh. And Jesus doesn't see in the flesh. Jesus sees through prophetic eyes. He sees our end from our beginning. That's the reason he can love us before we look lovable. Because he sees my end from my beginning and he responds to me. Like I'm already his. That's why the word says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't say that God so, so saw the world was jacked up that he gave his only son. It's not what it says. He so loved the world. Was the world jacked up? Yes. Is it jacked up? It, sure, it certainly is. Do we need help? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Do we need a wave of repentance to sweep our nation and our hearts? Yes, absolutely. We've got to change our minds and align them with the mind of Christ, but we're not seeing like he sees. I want to tell you a story, okay? You ready for story time? This is one of those ones that if it hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't have believed the guy who was telling it either. So I don't blame you if you don't believe me. (laughs) But every once in a while, God will do something in my life that changes everything. And this is one of those experiences that changed everything, okay? So this is when Jennifer and I had been married for just a couple of years. Honey, I'm about to tell it. I'm about to tell a story. Don't get embarrassed, okay? (laughs) Jennifer and I, and she's like, which one? (laughs) Don't worry. Don't be afraid. It's going to be good. Jennifer and I had just been married for a couple of years. And the first year, I don't know how it was for you, but for the first year, we got along really well together. But eventually, our pride and our will started to rise up. Both of us are firstborn. We're both passionate people. And when you have two firstborns who are passionate people, they sometimes collide with dramatic and explosive effect. And so... This was after one of those episodes. We had just collided with dramatic and explosive effect. And, and she stormed off in one direction, and I was storming off and pacing in another direction. And, and I, was, I was having thoughts that are not holy thoughts. I was having some of those thoughts like, this is your gift? This is their best friend? And like, these are not good thoughts. These are, these are fleshly fallen thoughts, bad thoughts. By the way, she's probably in the other room thinking the same thing. That man. <laughs> That's your best for me? Seriously, that's what you got. So we're both angry with each other, frustrated with one another. And I said one of, those, one of these prayers, you're going to think this is gross, but I call them booger flick prayers. Like the ones that you don't mean, you just kind of go, like you just kind of flick them up at heaven. It's, it's, it's not even like you got on your knees or interceded or anything. And so I'm so frustrated with her. And I was, I was just, I was angry. And I said, God, would you help, her to, help me to see her like you see her? That's it. Just, and then I went on with my anger. God, help me to see her like you see her. 
It was like, show me what you see in this person. And I didn't mean it. I seriously didn't mean it. What I really wanted was for him to fix her so that she would behave properly. <laughs> hey, that's the truth, huh? You never pray that either, do you? <laughs> so we went to bed. We had a big bed. She's all the way over on her side. I'm all the way over on mine. Never let the sun go down in your anger, except when you need to. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> So we were separated from each other. I fell asleep. I was angry. She fell asleep. She was angry. And in the middle of the night, I got woken up by a light flashing in my face. Have, have you ever been uh, like trying to sleep on one of those days that's so sunny that the, the sun through your eyelids is too bright? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, jeez. So I got awakened by a, a bright light in my face. And before I even opened my eyes, I was, I, was, I was thinking how this had happened, right? And I was thinking, she probably got up to go to the bathroom, and she turned on my lamp, and she put it right in my face as I was sleeping because she's so angry with me. So I got up ready to be mad at her because <laughs> I figured she put the light in my face. I was like, oh, this woman. So I opened my eyes, and it wasn't coming from my lamp. The light was coming from my left and it was so bright, I could see it through my eyelids. And I turned over to my left to see where the light was coming from. And it was her. She was glowing with so much light, I could see it through my eyelids. Her skin looked like it was made out of liquid gold, it was shimmering. And like there was like movement across it. It's the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And I don't know if you've ever seen an old Renaissance picture of the saints and there's like a yellow circle around their head, a halo. About a foot off of her body, there was a glowing ring of light all the way around her body. A halo encircled her entire body. And she was perfect. No flaw no zit, <laughs> utter, complete perfection. And every time her heart beat, there was a pulse that would come off of her. And I could feel it. And it felt like glory. I was awake. I was wide awake. And I had been married to her for about two years. I'd seen her in all kinds of circumstances. By that time, I think we had our first child. I'd seen her in all kinds of circumstances. And she was so beautiful that I forgot I was married to her. I was just laying there basking in glory. And I thought, I wonder if I could touch her. Mm. We've been married for two years. I've been touching her like crazy. I'm laying there going, it's my wife. I'm laying there going, I wonder if I could touch her. And I started to scoot my hand towards her just to put my fingers on perfection. I stretched my hands over towards her. And when I finally put my fingers against her arm, have, have you ever touched an electric fence? So 
I used to think it was funny to, uh, to walk along with my friends, and I, I, if I went by an electric fence, so I did this. We, went by, we went by a metal gate, one of my friend's for, uh, horse farms, right? And I, and I was like, hey, grab that fence, grab that gate. And there was a metal gate right there. He grabs a hold of the gate. Actually, it was a girl. She grabs a hold of the gate. This is even worse. She grabs a hold of the gate. I reached out and I grabbed her hand and I grabbed the electric fence. <laughs> And he, it completed the circuit, you know? So we're both like, no, no, no. You want to do it again? <laughs> when I put my hand on Jennifer, something came out of her, ran up my arm, across my chest, and out my other hand. Do you remember that old cartoon, the Disney cartoon, Beauty and the Beast, when he's changing from a beast into a man and he starts floating up in the air and then like glory shoots out of his fingertips? That was me. And I just laid there for a minute going, and I thought, I wonder if I could kiss her. (laughs) She's my wife. And, And listen, there's nothing sexual about this at all. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you've been, been holding a baby that was just so beautiful you just needed to put your lips against the baby. It's like you want to touch purity. There's something in you that wants to touch holiness, beauty, perfection, purity, innocence. I just wanted to put my lips against purity. So I started scooting over towards her I didn't want to wake her. I didn't want to bother her. I didn't want her to know that I was about to steal a kiss from my wife. (laughs) And as I got closer to her, this pulse, it was like it was pushing. It was like it was physical. I could feel it. Woom, 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 woom. And I moved in as slowly as I could so as not to bother her. And as I pressed my lips against her cheek, the power that came out of her was so powerful that it knocked me back out again. And when I woke up in the morning, I went, oh, that's how you see my wife. Listen, I was complaining about her, and he was going, I have no idea what you're talking about. I gave you my, mo- my best one. I have no idea what you're talking about. I gave you perfection. I put perfection in your hand. I put beauty in your lap. Is it possible? This is how he sees my wife. Is it possible that that's how he sees me? Is it possible that that's how he sees you? Is it possible that when God is around you, he feels pulsing love and glory? When that power shot through my arm and through my heart, it felt like electricity in water mixed with love shot through me. Is it possible that we have a God who just wants to put his hand against perfection and touch us? I asked him to show me how he sees her. Is it possible that he just wants to touch his lips against purity? How is it possible that I would look like that? Because he sees my end from my beginning. 
What I witnessed is what Jennifer looks like in glory. I saw her end from her beginning. I saw her the way Christ sees her. When the Lord deals with you, he doesn't deal with you in your flesh the way, he, the way you see you, the way you see your neighbor. He doesn't see you like that. He sees you under the blood of Jesus Christ, which makes you purified and perfected, a new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you something. I've seen what a glorified body looks like. You're going to want one. The Bible says God is love. Is it possible that when he transforms you through salvation, that all he feels from you is love? Have you ever considered? See, here's the problem. If I don't see others the way God sees them, I can't love the world. When he said, when the word says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, suddenly you understand. You understand what I'm talking about? He didn't look and see filthy and say, I love you anyway. He looked and saw through Christ, and he saw perfection, and he said, I'm in love. My heart's one. I want to touch that person. I love them. I want, I want to be close to that person. I love them. Why would you give your child for someone who is hideous and terrible? He didn't send his son for evil. He sent his son for his children that he loves, that he adores. What would happen if our eyes were changed and the scales fell off and we saw the world like that? If I can't see others the way he does, I can't love the world. And here's the problem. If I don't see myself the way he does, I can't love him. Because what I don't get is that what he wants is me. If you don't see yourself as adorable to God, how do you bring him what he most desires, which is you? Yourself, your heart. I want to ask, Billy, would you come out here and just start playing? I'm going to read you guys a couple of scriptures. Isaiah 43, 25. I am he who blots out your transgressions. For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. He says he'll cast our sins away from him as far as the east is from the west. That's far. Colossians 3, 3 through 4. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. When you look at yourself and you hate yourself and you loathe yourself and you see yourself as beyond deserving of the love of God, I need you to understand something. Your deserving has nothing to do with the love of God. 
the world's worthiness has nothing at all to do. I'm not worthy. Who cares? He loves you. I don't deserve. Who cares? He loves you. Those people don't deserve. How could Christ hang on the cross and say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what to do unless he was seeing them through the eyes of glory. He was seeing them through the eyes of love. And I want to ask you, in these last days, as the Lord is gathering bowls of incense and worship, as our prayers are filling this bowl to the tipping point and as the Lord is preparing to pour it out, are you willing to be lit by what lights him? Are you willing to see what he sees? Are you willing to burn for what he burns for? who's not willing for his sons and his daughters to not be in his house. Are you willing to weep between the porch and the altar? Knowing that even the most unsavory of characters through the eyes and the blood of Jesus Christ have become perfection to the Lord. That'll make you respond to people differently. That might make you see your neighbors differently. It might make you, as we come and we sing songs and we worship, see worship differently. It might make you read the times you're living in differently. There's a world out there. It's a world that Jesus is in love with. And their salvation is part of his glory. Are we willing to see them? Or are we satisfied with 300? Are we willing to feel what he feels? Are we willing to let the coal from his altar touch our lips so that when he asks, whom shall I send? Our first response is, here am I, Lord, send me. I wasn't qualified until the coal from your altar touched my lips, until the coal from your altar touched my heart. Are we willing to let the fire that lights God's heart light our hearts? If you're willing to do that, I want to pray for you. Just put your hand up like this. This means 
you're willing to be transformed. You're, you're willing to, to burn for something now. You're willing to allow your heart to be dissatisfied with the status quo because there are souls out there, sons and daughters that God cares about. His heart is mixed with grief and rage over hell for his sons and daughters. He won't have it. Will you have it? Or are you willing for your hearts to be mixed with grief and rage for a hell that's consuming your brothers and your sisters? Lord Jesus Christ, we submit our hearts to you right now. Father, we have not burned for the things that your heart has burned for. But right now, today, we submit ourselves to you and we ask that you would take a coal from the altar of your fire. And I ask, Lord Jesus Christ, that you touch my lips. I ask, Lord Jesus Christ, you touch my mind. I ask that you touch my heart. I pray, Lord, that you would burn in me the passion that burns in you. I pray that you would purify my eyes so that I see prophetically, so that when I look around, I don't see the mess, I don't see the broken, I don't just see that they're ugly and tormented and low, but I see they're in from their beginning and I see the beauty of the sons and daughters you care about and I love them like you love them. And I commit that I will look at myself and love me the way you love me. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for beautifying me through your blood. And I want to give you today and forever what you desire, which is me. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Billy's going to start worshiping, and this is what we're going to do. If, if, you, if, you just want to, if you just want to come and do business with the Lord at the altar... I've been praying over this altar and that God would meet people. It just looks like a platform. It just looks like a raised thing. But I've been praying that God would meet with people here. And if you want an, an, a heart adjustment, I'm just inviting you. Come find a spot and just ask God, what do you want me to care about now? What do you want me to stop caring about now? What do you want me to put down and what do you want me to pick up? What do you want to light in me that hasn't been lit in me in the past? I want to burn for what you burn for. I know that these are the last days and the bowls are being poured out and the atmosphere is being transformed and prepared for the final move in the return of Jesus Christ and I want to be part of that I don't want to miss that I don't want to sit on the sidelines I want to be in that I want to be right in the middle of that I want to come to heaven with as many of my brothers and sisters in my arms as I can get and I want your house to be full Lord Jesus Christ I'm not satisfied with living in mediocrity with a cold heart, with a satisfied heart. I want to burn for what you burn for, and I want my life to be like incense before you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you would transform the atmosphere of Unite Church and Anchorage, Alaska, and this state. We ask, Lord, that you would pour the coals from your altar and the incense that comes from this state, from this city, and that you would pour them over our nation and the earth. I ask, Lord, that you would send people from this house to rescue your sons and daughters. I pray, Lord, that you would raise missions up from this house. I pray, Lord, that this house would fulfill the prophecy of its name, that it would be a uniter between heaven and earth through the power of Jesus Christ. In your powerful name, I pray. Now let's just let him speak to you. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. 
We hope to see you soon.